Hello, my name is Eve Adler. I'm a registered nurse, registered yoga teacher, integrative health educator, and correspondent for Healthcetera. On today's program, we'll be talking to Dr. Norbert Goldfield about his new book, Public Health, Public Trust, and American Fragility in a Pandemic Era, The Critical Role of Healthcare Professionals. Dr. Goldfield is the CEO and founder of the bipartisan organization, Ask Nurses and Doctors, and co-founder of Healing Across the Divides, an organization that seeks to improve the health of marginalized Israelis and Palestinians via community-based interventions. He has written over 50 books and articles on healthcare, both in the lay and scientific press. For decades, Dr. Goldfield has provided insight into what health, care, and public health should be. His experience as a clinician, health services researcher, peace activist, and policy analyst provide a unique perspective about the changes needed in today's healthcare system. In his new book, he draws from his personal stories and science to focus on the COVID pandemic and what lessons it has taught us for the future. Welcome to Healthcetera, Norbert. Thanks so much for having me, Eve. It's just a pleasure to be back on together with you. Yes, it's great to have you here. And about this new book, what prompted you to write the book? So um, in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I was just finishing up a book entitled Peace Building Through Women's Health, which focuses on the work that Healing Across the Divides, an organization that I founded now almost 20 years ago, uh, does with Israelis and uh, Palestinians. And one of the techniques of peace building through health is when health professionals work with government officials in a government or in a country that's co coming out of conflict to rebuild the healthcare system in part to instill greater trust on the part of the public in the country that's coming out of conflict. And what I realized as we were going into the pandemic is that we in the United States were doing exactly the opposite. That is to say, we're becoming increasingly conflicted, increasingly fragile, and certainly less public trust in the absolutely life-saving public health services that are needed for this country. And this is at, literally at the very beginning of the pandemic. And what I started doing is uh, starting with the day that we shut down in our clinical practice, I see patients about 20 hours a week. During COVID, it went up to 30 hours a week. And when we shut down the, uh, the community health center where I worked at, I started writing a blog and every two weeks. We sent it out, I sent it out to about a thousand people and uh, every two weeks. And that is essentially forms the core of the book. There are many chapters around it that talk about what we should be doing. And I'm sure we'll be discussing that in a few minutes, but that's what Scott, the book started is that there was enough of a response and enough of a sense on my own that there, the country is becoming increasingly fragile. And I wanted to try to essentially organize around it, try to make a difference. You mentioned in the book, you just talked about that word fragile 
about how the United States was becoming fragile. What, what do you mean by that? Well, even look at today's headlines that uh, in the New York Times and Washington Post, I'm not sure which one it was, but where we almost shut down the government. And what was the headline? The headline was, we almost shut down the government and people just are getting used to it. But you know what? That's a sign of fragility. The fact that we have much less public trust. And the biggest sign of fragility from my perspective is the dramatic difference in death rates between Democrats and Republicans as it pertains to uh, what happened in, in COVID. That is just a dramatic issue. We know tragically, tragically, that poor people suffer always. And that's that's actually one of the uh, issues that I highlight in uh, one of the early chapters, how throughout all epidemics, throughout history, the poor have suffered the most. But there has never been, there has never been a time where we had such a dramatic difference between people who voted in two political parties in terms of their death rates. And that difference in death rates accelerated once the vaccinations came. So that's something for me is really a sign of the fragility and the increasing conflict that's permeating many aspects of American society. Tell me about this difference in death rates between Democrats and Republicans. What what was the difference? The difference is unfortunately, in fact, I didn't highlight it, that Republicans have a much higher death, had a much higher death rate than Democrats. And it's just tragic. It's simply tragic. This public health is should be for everybody, and it is for everybody. But the reality is that the uptick on vaccinations. And we'll have to see what, what, uh, what's going to happen now. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But the reality is that the uptick on vaccinations, when the vaccination first came out, people of who I know were just desperate to get it. Certainly the vast majority of my patients. And to give you an example, I remember I had one of my few patients who refused to be vaccinated. And I was trying to think of something as to what I could do to try to convince uh, this individual uh, to uh, to be vaccinated. And I said to him, you know what the best predictor of people who don't want to be vaccinated is? And he said, no, what is it? And he said, it's being a Republican. And he said, guess what? I'm a Republican. And, and it was just so interesting for me. And I frankly was flummoxed, you know, because obviously I was stereotyping, you know, in many ways. But the reality was I didn't expect it, but that's the tragedy. And here I am, I've been his physician easily 15, 20 years, but there's nothing I could do to slowly encourage him to consider. That's all I was asking him to do is to consider, not telling him what to do, certainly not. And I never tell any of my patients what to do, but certainly for to encourage him to consider being vaccinated, presenting data, they have a completely different set of data set you know, uh, it's not the same data that you and I look at. You know, that's very interesting because when you talk about instilling trust, and I will go back to that, I previously trust seemed to be a matter along racial lines when it came to healthcare. You know, certain uh, experiments, research, the Tuskegee experiment that was done in the past caused a distrust among Blacks for healthcare. But now it seems you're talking about this distrust among political lines. 
And I guess we hadn't seen that before. Well, never, never. So for example, I was definitely expecting and not surprised rather that uh, one of my black patients exactly said that with respect to Tuskegee. But what was most interesting, what I try to do is I try to do the gentle nudge. That's my, you know, my approach on these sort of controversial topics. That is say gently, I brought it up every time. And you know what? I still don't know what happened because I never asked him why. But you know what? He says, okay, I'm ready for it. And he changed his mind, you know? So our role as healthcare professionals, whether it's on a one-on-one basis or on a macro basis, is to gently nudge, not to be prescriptive, not to be judgmental, not to say, well, just because I say so, you should do it, but just to encourage a consideration. And we've definitely been able to do that with Democrats. We've definitely been able to do that with all segments of society except in general with Republicans. And that's a tragedy. That's an American tragedy. So this peace building, you know, you talked about uh, using peace building to instill trust. How do we do that in our healthcare system? I know you talked about the nudging, but are, are there other ways that we can do that in the healthcare system? So I'll give you a concrete example of what I'm trying to do now. Uh, and who knows I'm always never optimistic by nature, but I never give up trying. So let's look at what's going on in Florida. We have a Surgeon General um, who is against vaccination, does not encourage vaccination, says yes, maybe for people over 65 and so on and so forth. Um, But then we have a governor who is very much against vaccination. So what we're going to try to do, and this is uh, you know, I have a meeting actually with a colleague who has written much of the research on health misinformation. So we have a surgeon general and a governor, you know, a very popular governor was elected by a landslide in the last election, DeSantis. So what to do? So there's about 30 health professionals working with Ask Nurses and Doctors, the organization that I founded uh, five years ago. And there's 30 of them who live in the in the Florida area. In, the, in Florida, rather. So I think the dream I would have, and I, I don't know if it's possible, but we're going to try to see if it can happen. And maybe if I'm lucky enough, we'll talk again in a few months for your radio show, and I'll give you an update. But what I'd love to do, ideally, is to have a Democratic and a Republican physician or a Democratic and a Republican nurse, you know, uh, or Democratic and Republican pharmacist and to have them be side by side and say, we disagree on a lot of things, but we agree that you should all be vaccinated according to the CDC guidelines. So whether that'll happen or not, I think it's open to question, but certainly I'm going to give it the old college try and uh, we'll see. That's an example of what can happen, but that's an, a small example. The biggest point, the bigger point that I say is that, and this has not happened either yet, and I'm still trying, is that health professional associations like the American Medical Association, the American Nursing Association, and here's where you and I, maybe we could work together, uh, you know, is that these organizations, these national organizations representing health professionals, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, et cetera, they should be taking the lead and doing these kind of public service ads Uh, And and there's so many creative ways, ways that I can't even imagine because I can't think that creatively in terms of ads. But there's all sorts of 
interesting ads on TikTok and all these other things that I don't use and so forth and so on, but th they could be done. But what we need is the health professional organizations because why? Because we as health professionals have the highest social credibility. We still have high social credibility. And so there's gotta be ways that nurses and physicians and pharmacists uh, and social workers could work together to uh, in, uh, in states where there's low uptick Right now, there's very little effort on the part of the federal government to really get the vaccination going. Have you seen uh, public service announcements? I haven't seen anything, you know, and so we need to get that going and we can get that going. And that's what I think should happen. That's a very interesting point because what it makes me think about, first of all, is our health professionals as a group doctors, nurses, everyone in the healthcare professions in agreement about um, our health policies and vaccines, et cetera. Do you think that they are? Well, I think you have to distinguish between vaccines and overall health policy, which uh -huh. is uh, in terms of universal coverage, I think the vast majority, the vast majority of health professionals, doctors, nurses, and pharmacists, social workers, agree, would agree to either uh, the Affordable Care Act or single payer. There's a divide, but certainly in terms of universal coverage, uh, uh, people would agree with that, okay? Now, the reality is, is that even if you're uh, a Republican uh, health professional, even though I actually don't know the data on this, but I would hypothesize that most of them uh, would agree uh, that there should be universal coverage of some sort, you know. So there could be some issues pertaining to health savings accounts and so forth. But again, so there's some discrepancy. The issue of vaccination is black and white, okay? It's either you're for it or you're against it. Are there health professionals who are against it? Of course. In my book, I highlight how uh, Dr. Gold, who uh, uh, no relationship to Dr. Goldfield, <laughs> um, the, uh, who moved from California the Florida, you know, she went to jail. She was the only physician who went to jail uh, and uh, through the January 6th uh, insurrection uh, because she was at the January 6th insurrection. She's a physician. Uh, and um, and she went to jail for being for the part that, that she played. So clearly she is not in favor of, of vaccinations. But the vast majority, it is clear that there are Republican and Democratic physicians who are members of Congress who presented together videos advocating vaccination when the, vac uh, the COVID vaccine uh, first came out. So we need, to, we need to essentially do that and we, do we need to do something broader, which is to say we need to be ready. We as health professionals should be ready uh, and we're not, uh, but, but advocate that the government should be ready for uh, the next pandemic. Uh, we don't know how, how this pandemic is going to pan out. It's still unclear, and I'm not going to opine on that because we don't know. But I'm I'm sure that when we have the data on which uh, percentage of health professionals advocating vaccinations, I'm sure it's very high. Understanding that there's always going to be some naysayers. Not the same thing on universal coverage. So, what were policies? You know, when the pandemic started, and now, what were are and were policies that you saw and experienced that you felt needed changing and some policies that held up well? 
So the policies that held up well, uh, you know, was, and I want to give uh, uh, Donald Trump the, the credit of getting warp speed and vaccinations done quickly. Number one. Number two, it's also very clear that the two or three star general, uh, now I'm just blocking on his name, but who uh, under the Trump administration engendered public private cooperation on, uh, on getting out the vaccine also worked very well. That said, we performed the worst of any industrialized country in terms of death rates, by far the worst. And all sectors suffered, but particularly the poor and particularly Republicans. So what should have happened and what happened in the country where I was born in, which was Italy, what happened in Australia? And I highlight Australia because Governor DeSantis constantly highlights how, you know, we kept Florida free, unlike Australia. You know, guess what? Australia had a tenth of the death rate of, uh, of, uh, of Florida. So there's something, but that communication has not, not occurred. And we as health professionals should have, and uh, unlike in what occurred in Italy and what, what certainly occurred in Australia and Canada, encouraged closer relationship, coordination between the public health system and the acute care system. That has never occurred, still hasn't occurred, and we need to still do it. And the book details this uh, in in spades, the book, uh, again, that uh, published Public Health, Public Trust. How can our listeners become involved? You know, you, you've identified some ways that we can move forward in a right. positive way. From my perspective, I've tried to outline how we as health professionals should work together. So there's an organization that I founded that has a number of groupings in, in a number of states. We work on either legislation, like we just helped pass in Maine with the help of almost 200 health professionals, uh, paid family medically, or on electoral issues. So we work on either of those. We work on trying to just get the message out of the importance of public health. And so you can contact, look up www.asknursesdoctors.com. You can contact our group and we'd be more than honored to work with any health professional who's interested in universal coverage, who's interested in addressing effectively the pandemic and interested in a positive way on a number of other healthcare uh, issues. We wanna hear from you and love to work with you. Great, that's great advice for our listeners. And uh, does this have to be people who are currently working in the health field? Could this be people who are retired from the health field? So glad you asked that. There are some states where people who are working are just afraid to get involved. And the reality is, is that we want to work with any health professional, retired completely. If you're playing golf and you've got one hour a month, that's what we say. If you have one hour a month, we can make effective use of it in any of the states that we're working with. So retired or not retired, all we ask is for one hour a month and we can make effective use of it and you'll be pleased to have worked with us. Uh, well, you've heard it, listeners. This is how you can make a difference. Thank you for joining us on Health Cetera today, Dr. Goldfield. This was an interesting conversation. I would love to have a follow-up as we see what happens. This program will be available online at healthmediapolicy.com. This is Eve Adler. 
Have a good day. Thank you so much.